Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. All right, welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans, reporting for ConnectingVets.com, the military veteran website for all. I am Navy vet Phil Briggs, and uh, today we're going to jump back into another segment about some mental health, and uh, it's something we really can't talk about enough. Now, every day, America's first responders and vets face physical and emotional and mental stress that most of us just couldn't imagine. And with the stressful demands from the front lines and for many memories of war, some heroes experience some of the country's highest rates of substance abuse, depression, and suicide. So luckily today, we'll hear about a program that's making big strides in treating all of that. It's from UpHealth's Transformation Treatment Center in Delray Beach, Florida. And they have a new program, which is called Help for Our Heroes. And it was designed to help vets and cops, firefighters and EMTs overcome their underlying issues that lead them to the addictions and teach them the coping skills that they need that are specific to their profession and, sadly, chemical dependency. So... Helping our heroes graduate to a healthy, sober life is Tamara Evans, primary therapist at UpHealth's Transformational Treatment Center down there in Florida. And uh, of course, she's got the background in clinical mental health counseling. She's an Army veteran. I'm a Navy veteran. We also share together uh, the sounds of a slight head cold that we're both getting over, <laughs> uh, which has affected the entire world known as COVID-19. So uh, joining me on Zoom here is Tamara Evans, Army vet. How are you, Tamara? I'm I'm. I'm feeling okay. I was about to say good. And I was like, that's not entirely true, but I'm here and I'm happy to be with you. Indeed. And I thank you for your time. Full disclosure, any sneezes or anything you hear on this program are not <laughs> contagious. Uh, we are, we are safely separated and you are only hearing us through your ears. Um, <laughs> now, before we jump into how we're helping heroes and how we're helping veterans with, uh, you know, the mental health counseling and this program that you guys have, Share with me a little bit about your army background, because it's interesting that you've got all this clinical training now, but, but, but you understand the veteran 
at our core, because you are one, what fun places and things did you get to do with the U.S. Army? <laughs> oh, man, it's <laughs> I've never been asked that question personally before. And it's weird because I, I went to a military college. I went to Norwich University and um, I was supposed to commission into the Air Force and I ended up blowing out my knee playing rugby. So I didn't commission. And instead, I ended up enlisting in the Army. I like went home had my degree. And I was like, I can't not be in uniform. So I then enlisted as a diesel mechanic and I had a biology degree under my belt at the time. I just wanted to be in uniform, man. I was like, I just can't be a civilian. Like this isn't for me. Um, I was stationed at Fort Carson in Colorado with the 43rd Sustainment Brigade. I was a wheel vehicle mechanic. I worked in operations for a while also. And um, I got med boarded out because, again, my knees, I'd blown them both out at that point. Um, and it was really sad for me. I wanted to stay in. You know, I had my identity wrapped up in that very heavily. And that was what ended up bringing me to the place I'm at now, not just with my own uh, experiences with mental health, but also getting into the field because getting out was in and of itself horribly traumatic. I didn't know who I was. It was an awful experience. Transitioning was awful. I don't know how it was for you, but for me, it was not great. Mm. I'm so glad I asked because I think that sort of sets the stage exactly to where we need to start to understand mm. why this program works and kind of how you're inspired to do the work. Uh, I think it's interesting you come from like a team background because if it's one thing I've noticed we share in common, uh, veterans, first responders, of course, the firefighters, the cops, the mm -hmm. EMTs, but sports people too. We identify ourselves as this, uh, I'm an athlete of this kind. I mean, you see it all through even like little kids in high school. I'm a baseball player in eighth grade. I'm a lacrosse player in ninth grade. I'm a, you know, whatever sport you really sink your teeth into, you can ride that out your entire teen identity and even getting into college. If you play through, sounds like you were one hell of a rugby stud. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's who you think you are. And the military has this brilliant way of giving those without purpose purpose, but when it's gone, man, you miss it. And yeah. you ask anybody yeah. that's transferred from that into a paramilitary unit, like the police force or firefighting. And that's the thing that keeps them going. But boy, you take that construct away from any human that really has relied on that. And the next thing you know, yeah, you are sort of like lost, what? sad, yeah. Some people are pissed off. Some people, you're bummed out. You don't know what you are. It can hit you in a ton of different ways, but you're spun up in the sauce in your own head. And that's a dangerous place to be, which leads to a lot of things. So mm -hmm. let's maybe start there. Why do we need this program? What is it veterans and first responders and, and you know, the like out there are experiencing right now? Mm. I think of it as generally speaking, isolation connection, right? It's an isolation connection issue. And then it's a meaning purpose issue. Uh, as human beings, we need other people, but also like we need to feel like we're here for a reason. We're doing something meaningful. You know, there's, I'm making a difference of some sort, or I have people that love me and care about me and, and, and get me. We need to be, you know, we need someone to get us. And the reason help for our heroes is so near and dear to my heart is because it it's, a really common presentation that a person gets out, um, whether they've experienced uh, trauma in the military or before, but they get out and they don't, they don't know how to be a person. They don't know how to be a civilian. They don't know how to just go about um, their lives and like live a happy, healthy, fulfilling life. And that feeling of what do I do next 
is one of the things that we address in the program. It's not just, hey, you're going to come here, you're going to get therapy, we're going to talk about your problems. It's also a matter of like, how do we figure out, help you figure out what you want your life to look like? What's in the way of you having the life that you want for yourself? And what could that potentially look like? And those are questions people just don't get asked. And also, what are kind of the dangers right now that we're finding in our communities? You know, what kind of stuff's going down in the lives of veterans and cops and firefighters right now? Sure. When you look at it from a diagnosis standpoint and you want to pull it out of the book, you're looking at depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, neurocognitive disorders related to traumatic brain injuries, right? And we can talk about the clinical aspects of those, but what it looks like on the ground is um, people are not talking to their families. They do not have friends. They do not feel connected to anybody. Um, They're acting out in self-harming ways, whether that's addiction, gambling, sex, spending, like Things that give me this immediate dopamine rush that make me feel better in the moment because I feel so horribly, horribly awful all the time, either about myself or about the world. Another thing you encounter a lot is this feeling of numbness and just inertia of like, I was alive when I was in these, I got to do these things with these people in these places. And it was interesting and I was important and I wore my identity literally on my uniform. And now I'm like, I guess I'm going to watch Netflix today. You know, it's just feeling like the momentum has been sucked out of their lives. How do you work with a person who feels like, like the thing that gave them drive in their life has been removed from them, you know? So, so you're dealing with a lot of feelings of loneliness and, and numbness and isolation. And, you know, it, it manifests in a lot of different ways with a lot of different quote unquote disorders. Yeah. And we didn't even mention the big one, but sometimes when the ride just gets too intense, we've seen over the last 20 years, too many great people take the exit ramp. That's something that we need to stop. So anytime I can highlight a mental health program that seems to you know have traction and is doing great things, uh, that's why we're having this conversation mm-hmm. right here. So um, yeah, thank you for shining a light on some of the more detailed aspects of what it's like to live in this world. It's not just a bunch of bearded crybabies that miss their frat bros <laughs> that are drunk all day yes. because, you know, they don't get to kill, kill bad guys anymore. It's right. deeper. It's way more nuanced and it's way more rooted. Let's jump into kind of what exactly is help for our heroes. So help for our heroes, you can get substance abuse treatment and mental health treatment like all over the country, right? You can go to your local VA if you're eligible for those services. And, um, you know, if you're feeling suicidal, uh, th- they'll treat you there. But Help for Our Heroes is a veteran and first responder specific program that is geared towards um, treating addiction and mental health issues. So you're going to show up and you're going to get an individualized treatment plan instead of just throwing like really common interventions at people like you and I kind of touched on CBT. That's great. But um from a more holistic point of view, we're, <laughs> I hate just, I had to lead with yoga, but I'm also a yoga instructor. We've got yoga, we've got neurotherapy, we've got EMDR, we've got ART. So we have these very targeted interventions that are evidence-based trauma-specific interventions to utilize to help a person start to recover and reconnect with themselves. That also means involving, you know, reconnecting with their families, finding a sense of community among the veteran community at our facility. So the idea is to try and help them get their lives back. Mm. And is this curriculum then designed 
by veterans and first responders for first responders? Mm -hmm. So our, our program was actually started by a veteran, a Vietnam era veteran and first responder himself. Um, He's now retired, but he um, started the program and then uh, it just kind of grew from there because there was a need for this population. There was a need for um, specific treatment for this specific population who, you know, you mentioned death by suicide. Quite frankly, the rates are astounding. It is it is astounding. Like if that's not an indication of a serious need for focus on this particular group of people, veterans and first responders, I don't know what it is. Like that's that's the ultimate. People are not mm. wanting to be here anymore. Yeah, yeah. We got to do something about that. Share with me how this program differs from, you know, your thoughts on cognitive behavioral therapy. I've covered this for years and I've talked to a lot of people, especially every time I talk to a VA person and they're like, we have all these great therapy sessions and we can sit you on a couch and we get the box of Kleenex out and we do things and we have you relive your worst day. And then we talk about it. And I've known tons of warfighter brothers that that just doesn't work for them. They don't want to go talk to Dr. McGillicuddy one more time about one more day over there in the sandbox that they don't want to remember. How is it this program is taking a different tact at getting to the, veterans and helping Mm -hmm. them heal so here's my thing with cbt i i love cbt cbt works when it works in the right situations right but cognitive behavioral therapy is based on basically an idea that somehow the thinking behind what you're feeling is flawed that the thoughts are distorted in some way and that those thoughts can be adjusted that the feelings can be changed and that will then change the outcome of the behaviors right Mm -hmm. that is not always the case When you're dealing with people who are deeply traumatized, who have a history of whether it be shock trauma from deployment or childhood trauma, which developmental trauma makes future traumatization so much more likely just on a, just on a literal biological level makes you more prone to trauma responses in the future. So you're coping with trying to navigate life through a trauma response. And then you're just being told like, Hey, let's look at that thought. Let's change that thought. Well, it's not that simple. So if you come at it from a multi-pronged approach, Um, the first thing I do is try and honor the person's survival mechanisms. Why have you felt the need to do these things and how have they helped you? And now like, let's explore maybe how they're not helping you. If you don't have buy-in from a person that they actually want to change behaviors, you're not getting anywhere. You can, you can sit with them, you can talk about things, but until an individual decides like, okay, I can see how, um, I don't need to, to keep living in this survival space. So we have neurotherapy. Neurotherapy directly addresses some of the ways that your brain functions, the areas that are lit up too much because you're still in fight or flight all the time, the areas that aren't lit up enough because you're not, you don't have enough impulse control going on in the prefrontal cortex of your brain. So neurotherapy, a huge, huge fan of. Tack that on top of group therapy, um, veteran community events, and uh, trauma interventions like EMDR and ART, which target specific shock trauma memories in order to reprocess the images associated with them. Like, <laughs> I could keep going and going and going, but you put all of that together and you're honoring a veteran's or a first responder's experience while allowing them to have a different relationship to that experience. Huh. That's really cool. 
go over just a little bit on that last bullet point you give me the 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 AMREM. Oh yeah, sorry, I I'm an acronym, right? Um, so ART is accelerated resolution therapy, and EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. I've um, heard about that one before. Yes, yeah. because EMDR was established in the 1980s by a woman named Robin Shapiro, and it the the studies on it were done like the big studies on it were done by the VA on Vietnam era veterans and the treatment results that they found, right? Like the, the outcomes that they got basically were like, oh my God, we can use this intervention to actually target specific traumatic memories. You don't forget them. You don't forget the significance of them. You don't forget that they sucked. You just don't have the response to them that you used to. So you, so this flashback or this nightmare that's been haunting you forever, you target that with one of these interventions in conjunction with a supportive clinical environment, having clinical staff on call all the time, being around the correct people. And then next thing you know, like you can remember that that awful thing happened, but suddenly your body isn't lit up like you're reliving it every time you think about it. A buddy of mine told me that went through that therapy said that he kind of thought about some things that had happened to him and they went from being like a visceral, like painful divorce Mm -hmm. with his current wife to being like a simple memory of like that time he broke up with his girlfriend at homecoming and they were 16 years old. Like it was, it suddenly lessened it. It's not that it didn't happen. It's not that the psychotherapist convinced them that that wasn't an important memory. He just was like, you know, that was my girlfriend when I was 16. I'm 50 years old now. It's just mm-hmm. kind of a sweet memory. It's not as heartbreaking and gnawing as it was the day after homecoming, 16 years old. <laughs> it's not you know. still happening. Yeah, and the brain hasn't over. caught up. Yes, it's over. So super cool, man. All right. Um, it's a complement of services, a whole different kinds of modalities all coming at you there. What kind of results are you seeing so far? Give me sort of just like, like a, I don't know, a small case example or. Mm. Um, well, there's so many that come to mind, but I mean, when a person's going through treatment, you're not just, you're not just working with the human being in front of you. You're also working with the family system behind them. So the coolest thing is when I hear back from clients who have graduated the program and gone home, um, and I hear, you know, that they're reconnecting with their family or they, they feel like themselves again, or they picked up a hobby. Like they sound like they're living, but even cooler is like, if you hear from the wife or you hear from like, you know, the mom and they're like, to hear, thank you for giving my loved one back is one of the coolest. Uh, it's, it's the reason that, that we do this work because human beings, right, are, are coming to you for help. And it's not just that human being you're helping. It's the entire family system, system surrounding that person, everyone who knows and loves them. I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. It's just really... No, no, I absolutely love the fact that you said you brought up wives and stuff, because I remember one of my favorite interviews was with a Marine Corps veteran of Fallujah. And he was just... I forget what modality we were talking about. Maybe it was the, um, what's the injection? The, um, Oh, the, I know. Uh, the stellar ganglion the, block. Yes, yes, yes. The ganglion yeah, block. Yeah. It was like the neck injection into that cluster of nerves yep. or whatever they are, kind of the back of your neck. Um, he was forever this like amped up Latino LA, like <laughs> hyper vigilant looking out the windows. He was like, I was always worried, man. I always wanted to be strapped. I was, mm. I was just ready to on edge constantly. And one day, like after he got it, he was just sitting there smiling and 
his wife is like, you know, Hey, um, Arturo, everything cool. You're, you look great. You're, you're just smiling. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not just smiling. I don't just sit around and smile. What are you talking about? I'm smiling. And it was like, he, it had just washed over him that all of a sudden he didn't need to be that way. And he could just relax. And his, mm. his, 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 his resting face was a smile. And That's she crazy. was like, that was the you I knew before you were Marine. You were this goofy, silly, slap happy guy. And now I just look at you after this, whatever, you know, after this treatment that, you know, was not just couch based therapy. And she's like, there you are. I got you back. And when you hear that from a spouse, nothing says it's working more than when you see other family members going, yep, yeah, that's my dad. That's right. my uncle. Yep. That's my brother again. Um, good stuff. Let's talk about uh, who is eligible to sign up and uh, what they can expect during the program. Sure. So um, anyone who's a veteran or first responder, um, regardless of discharge status, is eligible um, to to participate in the program. So um, and and there's more information at like our website is helpforourheroes.com. It's all one word, helpforourheroes.com. So there's numbers and resources and information on the program there. But um, we've even, for instance, we had a nurse who worked on the COVID ward in the ER, um, and we welcomed her into the program with group consensus, you know, for, because of what she had seen and gone through and, um, the way she had responded to that crisis. So veterans, first responders, um, are eligible for the program and what they can expect is from the time that they call admissions to the time, you know, if they need detox and they go to detox, if they don't, they can generally come directly into the program, but, they um, are going to be part of a group of individuals who have had similar experiences to them. Um, we have a veteran-specific caseload, veteran and first responder-specific caseload. So the people that they will be doing some of their therapeutic work with will be people with similar experiences. They will also interact with the civilian population because, you know, we have to. <laughs> That's part of being in the real world. So we got to go there and interact with civilians. Um, but yeah. They damn do. civilians. Oh my God. Right. And it's funny because then you have to remind people like you are one now and no one likes to hear that. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, they do a group, co- uh, sorry, blah, community activities. They spend time with another. They have barbecues. We have veteran speakers come and that's the extra stuff. But then other than that, they get the clinical programming. You know, they get an opportunity to address the things that are keeping them from living like the life that they want for themselves. Mm, So cool. And it's also cool. You bring them in from wherever they're at too. I hear so many programs that are like, well, if you're a veteran and you're having a bad day, you know, you can do this. That's a great for all the mental health kind of things out there, but you guys are also tacking this with, if you have an addiction issue, yeah, because that goes so hand in hand. Many of our addictions even begin while we are active duty. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly the GWAT generation knows us better than anybody else. You know, the constant issuance of the pain meds and the chronic pain from carrying the packs and the backs and the falling off things or things falling on you or, you know, wars, hell on knees and shoulders and backs. Yeah. Um, you're on painkillers. And guess what? One day, two turns into three, turns into four, turns into a little bit more. And now, you know, you're high. And yeah. you don't know how to come down because you, you have legitimate pain, but you've crossed the threshold from pain management to, you know, Motley Crue. Yeah. And add, add, <laughs> add, add pain to depression and isolation and all three will become worse very quickly. 
Yeah. You know, so, so treating it really from a holistic point of view and not stigmatizing it because look, we're not tougher than substance abuse issues. We're not tougher than mental health issues. That's part of being a human being. And when you've seen the and done the that most of us have, or a lot of us have, it's not easy to go back to just like a run of the mill life. Yeah. I say that all the time when I talk to my buddies that are um, direct action vets and you know, I, I hear about the stories and stuff and I'm like, I'm not sure that my thirties or forties would have ever felt sufficient. Had I been able to do that at 28 years old, right? You know, Australian rappel out of a, out of a helo and take out a compound and kick in a door yeah. and find a bad guy and save the girl and, right. and then come, come back out of an explosion in the background, walking back to the rendezvous and get back to the fob to open a can of beans with my buddies by a fire and talk about how cool that just was. Right. I mean, that's I don't I don't have to think about how I almost lost my life. I don't have to think about coming down from this this high of fight or flight adrenaline. Right? Yeah. You don't have to think about those things until you're back home and you gotta go to Walmart and somebody's too close to you. <laughs> and then you hear people complaining about like I said soy non-fat skim latte with a splenda. <laughs> I, I can't soy. tell you. Oh man, how much that comes up that people struggle with experiencing the entitlement of like when they return home, right? And there's right. just this this very like American materialistic entitlement that they encounter um, and that it causes them to feel this resentment towards other human beings that again, prevent them from reaching out and getting connected because they just, they just learn like people just suck. Why would I want to be around people? They just kind of suck. So hopefully in our program, they kind of get to experience some people that don't suck and maybe change their view on that. Experience people that don't suck. I like that. Uh, la- last thing I want to notice is that they can expect also sunny skies. I couldn't help but notice just throughout the website as I'm looking at it that the Transformations Treatment Center is in Delray Beach, Florida. So yeah. that's got to be cool to like say, you know, what is it? Four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks? Like, like you go down there and live on site. You are at Transformations mm-hmm. Treatment Center there at the beach. You get the sunny skies every day. You get the good Florida air. Yeah. Um, so look, one of the cool things about being in treatment is the only thing you have to worry about is you. Like, that's it. We will, we're taking you to the beach. We're taking you to clinical. We're taking you back to the property where you live. There's pool time. There's a gym. Like, no, you're not going to have your phone, but guess what? How about you stay off social media and focus on the fact that you're extremely depressed? <laughs> These are like, like, get in touch with yourself for crying out loud. We go to the beach. Like, I'm looking out my window right now. And the skies are extremely blue and extremely clear and it's beautiful outside. Like I coming to Florida for treatment is, is that's cool. That's a plus, but really getting to spend time with yourself and with people like you in an environment where you can address the stuff that's making you not be able to live. Um, you know, it doesn't hurt that it's 82 degrees outside. <laughs> no, that's definitely a bonus. And I think about all of us, you know, we all crave throughout the year, our vacation place, whether it's right. by a lake or whether it's by a beach, this is clinical treatment, veteran to veteran, first responder to first responder groups. And it's being held at Delray Beach, Florida at Transformations mm-hmm. Treatment Center, which has got to be a cool view. And I know every time I go to the beach, I come back feeling a little bit better. I can only imagine if I was surrounded by professionals and various treatment modalities that are having success. So, um, <laughs> 
That'd be really cool. In fact, the way you just described it, I, I just want to come down for a couple days. I mean, come on um, down. <laughs> but I guarantee you'll need the pool time because the work we do in therapy is not a walk in the park. Like you're not, <laughs> You are not going to always be having a good day. And that's one thing I always hope for our vets and our first responders when they're here is that they have a bad day when they're in treatment so that they know exactly what they're capable of coping with on the outside. Mm, wonderful. All right. Um, let's wrap real quick with just kind of, again, where do I find out more? about yeah. UpHealth's Transformation Treatment Centers and this Help for Our Heroes program. So helpforourheroes.com is our website. Um, there's more information on there and uh, phone numbers you can reach out to, information on our staff, our facilities, all kinds of things. So uh, that would be a place to go, helpforourheroes.com. Very cool. Army veteran, clinical mental health counselor, Tamara Evans, helpforourheroes.com. Sounds like a great place to start and uh you sound like a great person to talk to man i could see after this interview like just hanging out with somebody leading a session like you that gets it that throws around a little salty language knows the rugby team isn't afraid to you know dish with the guys man i this sounds cool school man so tamra i really appreciate everything you're doing absolutely my pleasure thank you so much for having me Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free starting May 1st with a 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.